So this is extremely embarrassing. I have never seen a rocket in real life. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. That's a rocket scientist talking, one who's never seen a rocket launch. That is interesting to be on the board and an investor in a rocket company and you've never seen a rocket launch. In person. Yes. I haven't felt Well, we've it. all seen a rocket launch in, on TV. I've watched every single, we've launched the Electron, which we call our, our, our rocket, nine times successfully, deploying 40 satellites into space. Three, two, one. Tess Hatch is an investor at Bessemer Venture Partners, specializing in space. Her first experience with space exploration was less than eight years ago. As an eyewitness, standing in the back of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, watching the Mars Curiosity rover land. The Mission Control, the JPL's campus, Pasadena, I believe anyone who was watching that erupted, absolutely exploded. That's good. Touchdown confirmed. We're safe on Mars. And I, that moment solidified why I personally studied aerospace engineering. Though her interest in space started many years earlier. Sally Ride, the first American female astronaut, she went to my childhood school in Los Angeles and came back to speak when, when I attended the school. And I wanted to, to be her ever since and, and, and follow in her steps and, and travel to space myself. I was so inspired by her. Now, noticing common backgrounds of astronauts, I started embarking on those steps, like getting an astronautics degree. And I got my undergrad and my master's. Uh, and, and other things, I, I was working on my pilot's license, scuba certification, and I will continue to apply to NASA's astronaut program. 
But I also hope and think that space tourism will become a thing. And, and I really do imagine a future where one travels to space with the frequency that we currently travel in an aircraft. You have been, I assume, rejected from NASA's. You're, you're, Every you're time. laughing. And yes. I've been applying since I was single digits. So back then, of course, I'm going to be rejected. But uh, two years ago, still rejected. So I don't know who I need to talk to. But <laughs> Frustrating. But then again, the rest of us have not applied to be an astronaut. So it's, you know, you're one step ahead of the rest of us. The 2018 NASA astronaut application was record-breaking. There were over 18,000 people who applied. While she wants to explore space, Tess Hatch is investing in space. We mentioned Rocket Lab. She's a big investor in Spire as well, which makes small breadbox size satellites. These change everything because instead of trying to, you know, launch a school bus into geostationary orbit, you can launch these little lunch boxes into, into low Earth orbit. And if you need some more, just launch a, a couple hundred more. Uh, if you have some fail, no big deal, launch a few more. That changes the whole satellite picture uh, for, the, for the coming future. You're spot on. Moore's law over decades has exponentially decreased the size and increased the power of these commercial off-the-shelf parts, where before you would spend years, if not decades, and hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars for the massive school bus-sized geostationary satellite. CubeSats have lowered the barrier of entry to space, where one can now throw your iPhone camera on a CubeSat, put it into low Earth orbit, which is orbiting 500 to 1,200 kilometers around the Earth every 90 minutes versus 36,000 kilometers, and take photos of the Earth. Uh, you can, the other most common payload is communications. You can have machine-to-machine -machine comms or internet connectivity, which, which the SpaceX, Starlinks, the Amazon and the OneWebs of the world are trying to put up three, four, or five-digit number of constellations in LEO for ubiquitous internet connectivity. You mentioned Spire, uh, who I think has done a really good job of coming up with unique sensors to utilize in low Earth orbit. We have, and, and on this CubeSat form factor, we have three sensors. We have an AIS sensor for maritime tracking for illegal fishing or piracy. We have ADSB sensors for plane tracking, so planes don't go missing and when we can monitor that everything is going according to plan. And a third sensor, a GPS radial occultation for weather monitoring and prediction. Better increase our weather forecasts in addition to storms or natural disasters. The The... Sensors one can put on this CubeSat really is up to entrepreneurs' imagination. And, and imagination will be an important part of it because you can try things that people would say, well, it would be insane to launch something into orbit just to try this out. But on a CubeSat, you really could. You could say, I don't know, might work, might not. Let's give it a shot. And you really could do that. I have been amazed with not only the entrepreneurs, but the students. I worked on a CubeSat project in grad school. Now, for all her investments and expertise, Hatch is actually quite new to venture capital. You have no experience in venture capital. I mean, you are a rocket scientist. You know, everybody understands that, that you have the brain power to be a venture capitalist, but you have categorically no experience in being a venture capitalist. When I went to grad school, I had been working at SpaceX. I did aerospace undergrad, worked at SpaceX, went back to grad school to get my master's in aeronautics and astronautics. 
But I wanted a bit of, of the business side. I wanted, I was getting a technical degree, but I wanted to complement it with something business-like because I liked the customer-facing aspect of being a mission manager at SpaceX. And I saw a fellowship from the VC DFJ for engineers that were interested in business and entrepreneurship. No clue what either acronym DFJ nor VC meant. To my listeners, I'm going to assume you've figured out what VC is. DFJ, as many of you know, is Draper Fisher Jurvetson, a venture capital firm now known as Threshold Partners. Was honored to have been selected and through this fellowship figured out VC means venture capital. Wait, you were, you were, you were selected for a fellowship for the VC firm DFJ without knowing what any of those acronyms meant. I didn't, venture capital is this black box that unless you're in the Bay or at Stanford or, it's really, I did not know being a venture capitalist was a career when I was an undergrad. So now you are one. What what did you have to learn to become a venture capitalist? There are hard skills that I wish I did a better job learning in school that would have helped now. For example, uh, accounting, financial statements, all of, all of that. You're right, I am an aerospace engineer, so, so I lack maybe that, uh, which I could have taken a class. But then there's skills that you got to figure out on the job, like what is a cap table, a capitalization table, and how to manipulate that. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. One of the things that surprises me is when you see all these companies developing rockets or they're developing spacesuits or they're... We know how to do this. I mean, we had rockets and spacesuits in in the 60s. How is it that we need to reinvent so much of these things that we knew how to do 50 years ago? We knew how to do it in a very expensive way. The money that taxpayers spent to develop those spacesuits and rockets is massive. We're now reinventing a way to economically do it. Being a private company, you're, you're just capitalist limited. There are a number of companies, and I've been pitched several myself, 
that are in space development, et cetera, that turn out to be questionable. Which uh, companies are you talking about? Well, I'm not going to give ones in specific, but where, you know, they, what they have is a plastic model of what they'd like to do um, and, and no real actual, you know, you need a rocket ship before, before you, you're going to be terribly credible. Uh, are you pitched by companies in which you think, oh, no, fellas, you have no idea how complicated this is. There is no you have no chance of accomplishing this. Or are, are most of the people who come to you far enough along that you can say, oh, yeah, I could see that? Perhaps I'm a technical optimist, and I think that people with PhDs in X, Y, and Z will be able to figure out how to mine in space, manufacture in space, pharmaceutical testing in space, space depots, all of those pretty far out ideas. My concern is it's, it's not a problem right now and it's a little too far out. Mm. So why, why now? Why are we working on this now? Let's come back in 10 years, see where the industry has, has progressed or developed, and then if it's, if it's better timing to work on that technology. The team, any venture capitalist will say, is the most important part of the investment. And especially if the team is solving a deeply technical problem, it's that person's background. So what PhD in computer vision and slam technology that they've spent decades working on, and there's only a handful of people in the world that even understand how this technology works, and a majority of them are on this in this company, is, is, is the motivation behind the investment. Now, that's still pretty theoretical. Who knows if the thrust-to-weight ratio will actually escape Earth's velocity. Uh, so I can give examples. And in the example of Rocket Lab, Peter Beck had been working on a company for a decade of doing suborbital tests. So instead of escaping Earth's velocity and, and actually getting out of our atmosphere, uh, a parabolic trajectory. And then he had been doing it successfully for a while and thought, hey, like if I just tweak a little thing here and there, if, if I inject the fuel in the combustor a little differently, or if I add this new disruptive 3D printing technology, I, I think I can get enough thrust to came to us with solid math, solid CFD, computational fluid dynamic simulation, uh, CAD, uh, structural finite element model and analysis, and with our independent third-party consultant who independently verified and reviewed all of this, got us across the line to, to motivate our investment. It is a risk, though, when you invest in deep tech. It's not... Can we push a line of code and test it out? It's we have to build it. We have to launch it into space. And that not only takes capital, but it takes time. But I do believe ultimately, while maybe the feedback cycle and the denominator of capital is larger, the return on investment is the same. What are the general public's biggest misconceptions about what we're doing in space or the progress we're making? I think we need to be a multiplanetary species in order to survive. And that's not to give up on Earth. That's not to, to give up on the problems and challenges that we're facing here. But it's because I fundamentally believe that the technology needed to get to and sustain life on another planet will benefit and fix and help life back on Earth. For example, MRI and CT scanning technologies were further developed from the Apollo mission. We landed astronauts on the moon and we wanted to take photos on the lunar surface. And that optic technology is used in our hospitals, saving lives every day. I could only imagine other examples 
that if we were to continue, and, and I believe we should continue funding space exploration, we'll come up with. Circle back to you becoming an astronaut. If NASA called and said that you could do anything that you wished, what sort of astronaut would you like to be? What would you like to do? The, 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 the job description is yours. I selfishly, personally, would like to experience the overview effect from space. It's a psychological experience that astronauts experience when they're in space and they're looking back down on the world and you don't see borders. And it's this uh, emotional, you just see the world as one rather than as, as, as divided. Uh, there's, this, there's this famous quote, an astronaut said that the first day we were all pointing to our, our countries, the second or third we were pointing to our continents, and, and by the fourth it was just one world. And I think that's important just not for me, but for everyone to experience. Sally Ride is, is notable as the first American woman in space, which came decades after the first woman in space. Uh, and she certainly, along with other women astronauts, you know, faced a, an, an uphill climb in, in more ways than one. You're a young woman who is on the board of several uh, space companies. Have you run into that or did Sally Ride pave the way for you? I am so grateful for women like Sally Ride, for women like Gwen Shotwell, who's the president of SpaceX, who walks down the rocket aisle with her Louis Vuitton red sole shoes and has really trailblazed for, for women in aerospace, and women like Heidi Roizen, who have trailblazed women in venture capital and have really helped set a strong foundation. We've got a long ways to go, and there's initiatives like All Raise that's trying to increase the number of female venture capitalists from the 8% now to at least 50%. And, and I look forward to similar things in, in the aerospace industry, but I've been very fortunate to have been set up for success. Not only by those two women, by, but by a handful of, of males in the industry as well who recognize and realize it's incredibly important to have diversity of not just gender and race, but all the things that you don't physically and visibly see. Tess Hatch, in charge of space investments at Bessemer Partners. If you'd like to hear more from Tess, she'll be speaking at the Ascend Conference this fall, encouraging companies not involved in space to boldly go. Imagine a cargo vessel in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean that its home base wants to know its location. There's no way for them to get that information other than a space-based resource. So a satellite, can transmit its latitude, longitude, temperature, vibration back to home base, and, and they can have better fleet management of where all of their resources are. Com uh, companies and industries that aren't thinking about using space-based resources ought to be. Exactly. We do our interviews with Silicon Valley VCs in sets of 10, and you just heard the 10th for this set. We'll take the holidays off and return at the start of the year. Subscribe, and you'll be notified of the next episode. In the meantime, the interview you just heard is one of 30 in our growing library. Spread the word, subscribe, and leave us a review. In the meantime, the best to you and your family, and we'll see you in the new year. Sand Hill Road is produced by Sean Myers, executive produced by Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. 
That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.